Welcome to episode 123, alternatively phrased 123. Have you done talk therapy with a friend, counsellor or a psych or maybe a spiritual guide? You might have talked about your challenges with a handful of people in an attempt to lift or remove these pains from your conscience. But when you do, it actually feels like an incomplete bowel motion. <laughs> it happened, you talked about it, you got it out, but it's kind of still there. If you have things weighing on your mind and if you've been in places of despair and pain and trauma and especially after the last year, then this episode is for you as it offers a very refreshing and comforting approach to working with some of the dark burdens that we all carry and can maybe even give you a way to lighten the load, potentially forever. Let's get into it. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome to another episode down the rabbit hole of the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. This year is 2021, believe it or not, because it's been about five years since 2019. (laughs) But this year, in 2021, it is my mission to coach 250 individuals to create the sustainable, healthy life that they truly want before the end of December this year. If you've been listening to the show for a while and feeling like, hmm, yeah, I'm absolutely ready to be one of the Healthy Friend graduates, then be sure to join my Facebook group and answer the group entry questions. The link is down in the show notes below. Give it a scroll, hit the Facebook link, answer the questions, and that's how you join the crew. Also, I've got a little bit of a knowledge nugget for you that usually shocks people, and I love sharing uh, myth-busting and shocking information, as you might have noticed. You ready? Well. When you're sick, a lot of people say you need vitamin C and so someone will usually go and buy you some type of juice with lots of citrus fruit in it, namely oranges. So the first thing, right, is that as of recently, orange juice was finally put in the same category as soda and soft drink in regards to its sugar content. Finally! (laughs) So the mainstream nutrition narrative is finally getting up to date with juice being quite unhealthy. And put it this way, it would not be a part of my first 100 go-to foods for health. Put it that way. (laughs) But the other thing is, did you know that oranges are not even in the top 10 list of common foods when it comes to vitamin C levels? Crazy, right? I'll let you try and figure out what the top 10 foods in that list might be. In the meantime, we're going to get on with the show. Okay, so moving right along to today's super sophisticated guest whom I connected with at a modern day networking event, aka a giant Zoom call. (laughs) On today's episode, we have Emmanuel Anthony, whom is a researcher, writer, teacher, inspirational speaker, demartini facilitator and consultant who works one-on-one and one-to-many to assist human beings globally to overcome mental disorders, expand human awareness, maximize human potential and support you to lead highly inspiring lives within all areas of your life. He has served thousands of clients over the last 11 years and his teachings have been shared online, radio, television and through workshops and speaking engagements and he's here hanging out on the podcast airwaves with us. Anthony, what's up my friend? How you doing? I'm fantastic. Thank you very much for having me. You are more than welcome. Now you are 
operating in a very interesting space, which is really broad and really holistic. So can you maybe give us a bit of an overview and context to the conversation we're going to have today about what it is you do? Yeah, that's a very interesting question. It's like when a marketer says to me, Emmanuel, we're going to narrow down your audience. <laughs> and I say, um, they say we, need a, we need a specific uh, type of person that you serve. And I say, I serve humanity. I, I never know who's going to come into my door. I just know that my job is to serve them in their specific needs if they align with what it is that I do. So um, I help and assist clients in all seven areas of life to acquire and achieve results, but to also understand symptomology and what's happening within their body, the feedback, and then how they can address that feedback. In many cases, that's to do with depressions or anxieties or overcoming past emotions from relationships. could be self-worth, uh, could be self-empowering themselves. But from there, I find a person wants to find their unique set of values. What are they on here on planet Earth to do, their mission, their vision? Um, they want to have purpose. They want to be inner-driven, so they've got a high amount of energy and vitality. And then we evolve. So these are kind of the levels because I find that at the lowest level, a person will come to me and say, I'm depressed, and that's what they want. But as they evolve, they realize that the depression was a symptomology awakening them to certain imbalanced perceptions that were also having physiological responses within their body and overstimulating sympathetic nervous and parasympathetic nervous um, aspects of their body, which is really just a chemical and hormone distribution, and they're things that they can control to a degree. And as they start to control that, they realize that there's going to be ever bigger challenges in their life, and the wisest thing to do is equip themselves. So I don't I only serve people to overcome their challenges and acquire their goals, but I like to see myself as a person that then educates, inspires, and empowers them to have those tools themselves. So instead of just taking on whatever challenges we overcame in the past, they can set challenges 20 times that for the rest of their life and continue to grow and evolve. Yeah, that's a powerful mission. I, I find it really interesting the way that you talk about symptomology because – I think, and maybe you can dive deeper into this, but I think especially in the Western world, countries like America, Australia, you know, the US, Australia, England, those types of countries, that when it comes to symptomology, that for the most part, we're really quite illiterate in the language that our body speaks. There's different cultures around the world that, uh, you know, have different practices, meditation practices, yoga practices as part of their history that really allow them to listen to the communication that their body is giving them and the feedback. Um, would you say that the sort of modern day world that we're in is mostly illiterate to the language that their body is speaking to them? If I base it on the clientele that I'm seeing, I would say 100%. I have uh, clients that come in regularly and they'll say, I'm depressed, I'm anxious, and they believe that that's what the problem is. And I'll tell them, I said, I've been doing this for 11 years this year. Uh, so thousands of clients. And one of the things that I can 100% say is that there's nothing wrong with you. Your body's expressing something. And once we understand what it's expressing, we're going to be able to create results. Now they start to go, well, this sounds a little odd, far-fetched. Uh, maybe this guy's a con man. I've heard everything there is under the book. <laughs> and um, and I then work with them and I say, well, let's start off with the first thing. That when you say you're depressed, that's a comparison. And you'll hear it linguistically. I've got a, a subject I teach linguistic analysis, but you'll hear things such as, if only my ex and I were still together, if only I still had that job, if COVID hadn't had happened. So there's a difference between the fantasy, the exaggerated positive that a person is comparing their life to, and the reality, what's actually happening in their life. Two different things, and they're addicted. The more you're addicted to the fantasy, the greater the degree of the symptomology, which they'll call depression. Now, the truth of the matter is, 
that that perception of whatever they're exaggerating the positive in has pain and pleasure, benefits and drawbacks, service and disservices. And whatever it is that they are now, that has equally the same as well. But they're not seeing both. They're only seeing one. Therefore, the body has to create the symptoms based on their perceptions. Um, and that's what creates a symptomology. So when we work through that and then we bring balance to their mind, their central nervous system, and the mind communicates to the whole body all the way through neurology and the autonomic nervous system all the way down to the cellular level, all of a sudden they have they look at me and they go, I'm not depressed anymore. And I said, well, it wasn't me. It's not out of cockiness or arrogance. I'm following a specific science by the Martini Institute, which allows us to create change because it understands how the body communicates. From there, they and I love how you use the word illiterate because it, it makes so much sense. From there, they start understanding how their minds are working. They start to realize their infatuations and extreme resentments. They start bringing them into balance and they notice that as they bring their mind back to a one-to-one balance, then the rest of their body communicates within the same language. And really, those symptoms that they were experiencing uh, were nothing more than feedback mechanisms to get them back to a place of homeostasis, uh, which is a one-to-one balance, equilibrium. And the whole universe lives by the same law. So does our body. I love how you said that the the more addicted you are to the fans, fantasy, the more prominent the symptomology. I think that makes so much sense. And so when you say come back to a place of balance, is that is that a place where you accept that the fantasy is a part of it, but accept that the reality is not, and you have have those two things existing in the same space? Yeah, and it's beyond accepting. It's actually loving because um, we can say that I accept something, but still have a bitterness to it. Uh, like a right. like a relative or something. I accept that they're here, but you can hear it in a person's voice. So let me give you a context and example. I had a lady that came in. She had a post traumatic stress disorder, and um, her chiropractor recommended her to me. I'd worked with him and a range of his clients over the years. Um, very very inspiring chiropractor, and he recommended her over and said, "I'm going to have a talk to Emmanuel. I recommend that you do as well and do some work with him." And when I spoke to him, he said, "I, I want to really help heal this woman's body." But I'm having trouble because every time I try and work on her back, as a chiropractor does, um, she'll try and pop her head up. She'll flinch. She'll tighten up. Um, you know, I can't work on her in that state. I need her to just submit to the chiropractic practice. And then I'll be able to work on the greatest healing that I can do. She's an absolutely wonderful lady. She's got a beautiful family. And um, I, I can't see myself doing, I'm blocked in where I am. So she spoke to me. And I said, beautiful, let's work together. And we did. Now, she had an extreme, for anybody that isn't familiar, post-traumatic stress disorder, post in the past, traumatic, seeing way more drawbacks than benefits. Um, Stress, that's when you're enabled to have the resilience towards a certain area of your life where you're seeing considerably more drawbacks and benefits. Once again, it has two sides. Bring somebody else in that area that won't be stressed because to them, they've got a higher resilience level. And then disorder. Um, Anytime you see more positives and negatives or negatives and positives, the mind and the body is in disorder. A lot of people don't know that about the positives. But when you are extremely have an extreme amount of dopamine running through your body, it does the same thing. It makes you a dope. Those chemicals um, create a bias in your perceptions, which then has you having irrational, not rational as a one-to-one balance. You make irrational decisions. If you're infatuated with somebody, you let them get away with too much. If you're resentful, you'll try and do things that'll get you into trouble. So- she had, a po- yeah. she had a post-traumatic stress disorder and we found out that it came down to one specific moment when she was, I believe it was around 16 or something, and her neighbor in the country had actually walked up behind her with a knife and tried to stab her. This neighbor, something had happened and she just Whoa. turned. Yeah, she just turned out of nowhere. 
And um, now she really wanted to have a go uh, at the family. And it was her. So they had a real issue. This neighbor basically needed to be um, in a clinical place or something, according to them. But um, every time they had to kind of watch their back. So this created a real trauma for her after seeing that and it created a real trial and tribulation. Well, she had never gotten over that. So anything behind her, around her, things like that, um, that kind of suddenly happened, um, she'd have that response to it. Now, when I worked with her, utilizing the Martini method, we're looking for the divine magnificence and perfection within the universe that exists within every moment. And the minute that you see that and find love and gratitude, you have true presence and the mind and the body has spontaneous healing that occurs. So I said to her, the question that I said to many of my clients, <laughs> that always uh, throws them off. I said, in that moment, what was the benefit and the service to you? First response from her was very much an animal mind response, seeks pleasure and avoids pain. The amygdala is great for that. There was none. That would that ruin my life. I said, you'll never have a pain of honor pleasure, a stressing of honor blessing. There's a divine magnificence, and I guarantee the minute that we see that, your heart will open, we'll have tears of gratitude, and you and I will both find that this is one of the most beautiful blessings of your life. So after assisting her a bit, I said, well, what occurred after that? You didn't just walk around casually. She goes, I started to watch my surroundings. My family and I left the country. I said, what were the benefits of that? Well, we moved to the city. And then all of a sudden, she had an aha moment. Oh, actually, that's when I discovered that I really love music. I, I never would have done that in the country. And then she started laughing. She goes, actually, in the country, the guy that I wanted to date, he's on my Facebook kind of this like little bogan guy that I was, you know, I thought he was the top of the town. <laughs> she goes, I've traveled the world and seen some beautiful men and I love my husband and he's very worldly, but I never would have done any of that because it was such a small country town. And she said, that's, that's as far as I would have got in the dating pool. And I said, what else? And she goes, I speak to people all around the world. I've seen amazing languages. And by the time we were done, she had tears of gratitude. I had tears of gratitude on that phone call and she realized that was what created one of the most profound changes within her life and opened her up to the reality of the world and how big it was and how beautiful it was. It led her to an inspiring entrepreneurial career and that that was the reason that she had the beautiful family that she had started and the amazing husband and everything that she had. And if that had not occurred, her and her family would have just stayed in that very little place. And in that moment, all of a sudden, she said, there's nothing I'd change about this. This is beautiful. That was exactly the way it was meant to be. And if that had not occurred, I wouldn't be where I am now. Oh, my God. And then from there, she went from not being able to talk about it to being able to laugh about it. She's laughing about who she would have dated, um, all the alcohol and drug problems that she would have had. She was going, oh, my goodness, I, I can't believe the blessing that I couldn't even see. From there, the next week, the chiropractor messaged me and he says, I don't know what you did. But she basically fell asleep on the table. <laughs> so he was able to work on wow. her back and uh, she was perfectly fine with it. It was one major thing that was holding the whole thing together. It's not all the time. Sometimes it's two or three and it takes a couple of weeks. But in her case, it was one really advanced one and a half hour session really broke the shackles. Uh, so when she was done, she understood it. She said it was just a symptom. And that symptom that I was experiencing was based on my perception. And the minute that I balanced that, she realized that she could apply that same principle to other areas of her life. And we had six weeks together, so we did. Uh, completely and drastically changed her perception. Her and her partner got closer together. There were so many beautiful things that happened. Uh, but completely illiterate in many cases, uh, people understanding their bodies. And it's not their fault to a degree um, because a lot of people grow up and there's nothing wrong with doctors and things like that. But I always say that in many cases, uh, we're grown up to think that they're the health experts. But the way I like to teach people today is each one of us is a different store and you wouldn't go to the Nike store and try and buy veggies. 
because I don't sell that there. <laughs> so if you're going, I like yeah. That. So if you walked in and said, I, I really want some veggies, we've got the new LeBron shoes. If that's what you're interested in, no, I want apples <laughs> and I want fruits as well. Uh, that's you're in the wrong store. So um, I've got some very great doctors that I refer my clients to, and they're very open. But one of the things they say is, you know, we don't learn about nutrition and things like that. That's you don't have to go to a naturopath and very different services where we're working with symptoms and pharmaceutical solutions for that. There's a time and a place for that. Uh, and they're really great because that's not their first approach. Um, they're usually trying to get people to work on things from a more holistic standpoint and then go to that. But I think in, in this day and era with the amount of information we have, it's not a person's fault for growing up in an environment where they didn't know that. But if they maintain that with the amount of information we have, they, they definitely have to play, accept some responsibility for that. Yeah, it's like the concept of, of fami- familial or ancestral trauma that just keeps handing, being handed down from generation to generation until until somebody takes responsibility to change it and you know become literate in the, the challenges of the family history and, and, and solve those problems, then they will continue to perpetuate. Um, but I, um, when you kind of brought up doctors there, it made me, made me think like, how is what you do different uh, for, for some of the listeners that might be thinking this, different to sort of counsellors and psychologists? Great question. I get that. So 85% of my clients, I'd even border around 90% come to me because they've been to psychiatrists, psychologists, counsellors, um, you know, a range of different services, life coaches. And the reality is if we put it into a black and white context, when a person's working specifically around emotions or goal setting, they want their goal or they want the emotions dissolved. There is no black and white in terms of the results. I mean, gray area, it's just a result. Either they have the emotions towards the trauma or they do not. Either they can revisit the same moments where they created the trauma or they cannot. So one of the major differences I found when I first started learning and doing the work that I did, I the first thing in my head was, oh, psychologist or psychiatrist. Uh, it had that prestige. It had the name. I didn't really know what they meant, but I thought they've got that name. And as I went and did my research into those areas, I spoke to friends that had had those services. I just found time after time people would speak when I spoke about psychologists. They say, I just did a lot of talking. Well, how did you go? Did you resolve the things that you were interested in resolving? Because uh, I had a very different approach to those. I've always been interested in human behavior. So when people said, I'm seeing a psychologist and felt some kind of shame or guilt, I was the other way around when I was younger. I'm like, you get to have somebody listen to you and not talk about them. That sounds cool. I wouldn't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> but um. They said, there's a lot of talking, but I'm not getting the results that I want. I kept hearing the word results. I said, okay. Then I asked friends that had seen um, psychiatrists and they said, I get the drugs, and but there's some drawbacks to that. I'm feeling like I'm zonking out in life and I'm not getting what I want. Some of them give me different drugs and labels. I don't understand because they're, they're using the same DSM manual, but I'm getting a whole different reading from different people. I said, okay. Then I said, what about a life coach? I said, feels like a lower level of the same stuff. And I just, I couldn't find anything that fa- it found like it had an equal exchange something where I would get up in the morning and serve somebody and give them something, just like any other product. A person comes into Big W and buys something, they get that thing and they walk away with it. That's the product mm-hmm. and they're fine with that exchange. And they give their time and their money for that. And they're, both of those need to be respected. So uh, and then I, I went into this journey of three hundred, you know, $25,000 worth of education, like NLP, timeline wow. therapy, um, hypnosis, working very closely with psychiatrists, psychologists. And eventually I really um, started to delve into Dr. John Martini's work. 
And that made a huge difference because I was everything I was learning, I was working with like 100 clients. So I'd have test subjects. From there, I could accumulate the data and see what was the level of results and nothing was meeting my level of results. And then I worked with the Martini method and that blew my mind because not only did the results go up by 80 or 90%, but I was able to teach clients how to do it and then throw myself out of the equation, which sounds like an interesting business model. <laughs> but um, <laughs> the, the results were so profound in what clients were achieving and then maintaining over time that they would then recommend a range of other people to come and work with me as well. So it works out well because why work with one person when you can work with a family and create profound change that would last for generations, for example. So, Oh, absolutely. From doing that, um, I realized that I wanted to specialize in the, the Demartini method. Now, my way of doing things is to deconstruct it, throw it apart, and then bring it back together. I used to be a graphic designer, so that's how I work. It's deconstruction. As I deconstructed all the other models and methods that I used, I realized there were limitations. As I deconstructed John's, I couldn't freaking find one. <laughs> What's going on? Then I realized Guinness Book Record holder, most books read by a human being. I think it's over like 30,000 or something like that in counting. Um, and that was a couple of years crazy. ago. Yeah, it's nuts. And uh, he then I looked at the areas that he had studied, and it was cross-contextual along all seven areas of life. And he had studied the original writings all the way through to um, the newest writings. So when you study the original, you get the renegades and the people that created it, and they were going against the grain and coming up with something new. But then once that became the norm, people studied that, but then they took aspects of what they appreciated and broke it up into pieces like a broken mirror. And that's why if you go and study, say, NLP, when I was studying that, I noticed with the company I was studying with, I was like, oh, they're, they're teaching one branch of it. But as I went back to the original writings, I said, there's so much that they're not teaching here. They mustn't have seen value in that. And the person that becomes a genius picks up all of the pieces and finds the biggest holes. And they end up um, having more knowledge than everyone else. And that's what Martini told me. Start off with um, the original renegades, find the um, original sources and transition up and get everybody's knowledge, just not just a few. So when I got to him, I went, well, I could do that, but I'm only going to do it in the areas I've loved. You've done it in more. Why don't I just steal what you've had? <laughs> so I became yeah. the Martini method facilitator. So the major difference that I say between myself and other people is that I guarantee results. And, um, and I specify those. So if a person comes in and says, I'm depressed, I said, we're not working on depression. That's the symptomology. What specifically are you depressed about? And then we get down to the root cause. I'm depressed because my father passed away. I'm depressed because our relationship I was in didn't work out. I said, okay, so that's what we're working on. The emotions that you're experiencing, which is the symptoms and the feedback on that specific event, situation or thing, we can work on that. And then as we work on that, all of a sudden, they, oh, my anxiety and my depression, I'm not experiencing them anymore. And I said, well, if the root cause is addressed, then there's no reason for that feedback to go through your body. People keep thinking it's a thing happening to them and they're not part of. So that's the best way that I can explain it. I'm creating specific results through the Martini method um, and some work that I've created as well, like all the Manuel Anthony method, uh, jokingly with clients, but it's an add-on to that. And we're looking to create specific results with psychology, the mind, physiology, the body. And we're guaranteeing that in the context that we're working on. And then we're teaching clients how to be able to achieve those results themselves. And it's the only way that for me, I feel that we can have equal exchange. Otherwise, people are just sitting there paying me to talk about stuff. And they're going to do that. Go do that with a friend. They may feel sorry for you and buy you a nice lunch or something instead of you paying for it. I'd, I'd rather wake up every morning and be inspired to create a result or results in people's lives so I can walk away saying, well, that was a fair exchange. And um, now you can have a, go out and have a profound life and share that with other people. 
So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. I think you raise a really good point. Like there's so many people that have been to psychologists and sat down and talked about their problems and, you know, no nothing, no symptomology has been lifted. The tension in their, you know, heart or their soul is still there or the physical symptoms that they're presenting with that their body has manifested as a result of this inner conflict. And they just sit there and talk and talk and talk. And I've seen a bunch of psychologists which were just not adequate uh, and, and you could arguably blame their education model and their you know a trained way of thinking about the problem to be insufficient and not them but yeah the whole uh, psychological support industry is so uh, misinformed almost yeah and I want to kind of clarify one thing here because I've got a lot of friends that are psychologists psychiatrists and I have conversations with them on a different level so they'll when we have conversations about human behavior I remember one of the things, this was the most odd thing, one of them once said to me, Manuel, you know, I'm so depressed at the end of the day sometimes working with clients, the stories that I hear. But when I talk to you, you've got a lot of energy and you sound like you've got more energy at the end of the day than the start of the day. What's the difference in what we're doing? I said, well, you're listening to the same story again and again. I'm producing a result in that. I'm not interested in the story. I'm interested in changing the story. And I said, therefore, I'm not depressed. I'm inspired because I'm seeing the blessings come out of the stressing some people drastically change. So that's the first thing. Secondly, I don't believe there are good or bad people in that reference. I believe there are people, anybody that has a huge desire to go and serve people within the psychological realm originally had a void in their own life within the same area and were looking for answers so they could resolve their own voids and in turn serve others. It's a double benefit because they learn about it themselves and then they get the opportunity to serve others and continue to learn about it while sharing it with others, which is one of the highest ways of learning something, become a teacher in it. So- I don't feel that they're good or bad people. I don't feel they're good or bad services. I just question one thing, which is the quality of the service. And people get really frustrated about that because they get addicted to their identity. But I've studied this for five years. I've done this for six years. I've got all of this knowledge. And I always bring it back to one thing. When I was learning, I didn't go out to spend 300 and something thousand. If I could have spent 50,000 and done the same thing, I would have uh, put it into property. It was because I kept finding there were limitations on things. So I say that the results of the clients are the most important factor. I kept searching because the results that I was getting compared to what I knew I should have were not acceptable for me and they weren't acceptable for my clients. And here's a way of putting it into context. 
If I walked into a pizza shop, ordered a pizza online, came in, paid for it and gave them cash, and uh, the gentleman at the counter just said, all right, thanks, have a great day, mate. And I said, well, where's the pizza? Sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. It's just the way it goes, you know. Thanks for the money, though. <laughs> um, I would say, nope, I'm, I'm going to report you to certain boards of practice and ethical you know, bits and pieces, and there would be a consequence for that. And that is in every era, same with Coles, same with Big W, all of those places. Um, I couldn't just walk in and pay for stuff and they take it back and go, sometimes you get it, sometimes you don't. Um, you know, better luck next time. But that's what's happening in the psychological field. And psychology just means the study of the mind. People are coming in and it's like, oh, well, you know, you didn't get a result. We tried the best that we could. You know, you've got a chemical imbalance. And even that in and of itself is so questionable because for me, yeah, for sure. it's the, the perception that's creating the so-called imbalance in the body. I don't see it as an imbalance. I see it as doing exactly what the mind gave it to do. And I can I can actually go through that with you shortly, um, how the perception creates the imbalance um, that they're calling as well. But that's actually meant to happen. And if your body's doing that, say thank you, because it's trying to awaken you to the magnificence of the perfection of the universe and letting you know where your imbalances are. And it has to do that for psychology and physiology, your thoughts and your feelings. So as you start to actually address that, learn that and understand that, you move to a high level of service. So I believe that a lot of services are below the par in the psychological field. Um, and when I say that, they take it as a personal reference. I'm not. I'm just saying, are you providing a specific black and white result? If so, what is it? What's the time frame in which you can do that? And what's the longevity of that as well? Because that's what makes a premium service. If you get something that's high class, does it more efficiently and better than everyone else, um, and has an ability to guarantee they're able to do that. And that's what I'm interested in. I don't care what my label is. Um, it just happens to be that Demartini um, was the gentleman that I met and a good friend and um, uh, person that I rely on today for that. But if it had been something else, I would have done something else. But that was what worked in my um, continual studies. Still study today, but that is what works. And that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, I like that. And yeah, there's... I, I totally agree with everything you've said, having been on my own journey and working with clients and referring them to different people as well. Like, yeah, it took the psychologist that I see personally, absolute legend. Uh, and he and I relate in the sense that we're both, you know, rebellious in, in some sense against the mainstream narrative of medicine or psychology because we felt, you know, that it was completely insufficient, which led to much further learning. Um, and so, yeah, I think these different approaches are so needed and, and your approach sounds amazing. And I love that you've mentioned a couple of times now the, the physiology, the, the, the manifestation or the, the crossing of that barrier from mind and thought into the physical realm. Um, can you dive more into that and, and how that physical symptomology can show up in the body? Because I know in even in conventional psychology, like there's, uh, there's a lot of relationship between the way the mind exists and different illnesses and diseases and skin issues. The way that the ego shows up in the skin um, can be like eczema or dermatitis um, in a Freudian perspective and things like that. So, can you talk through that, that sort of transition for how those inner conflicts can become physical stuff? Yeah. And before I do, I'm going to talk about two things. I've got to talk about this beautiful, amazing um, uh, psychologist I worked with. She had studied, she was top of her class. Um, this just will kind of further back on the last point before I jump into that. And um, she came to work with me. She said, I've had challenges with my father my whole life. I've got to get over them because um, my partner said, it's too much now. So um, I spoke to her and she said, I was top of my class and uh, I finished with the highest grades 
Um, and I, I just don't understand why I don't have the tools to be able to resolve this in my own life. I feel I could assist somebody else. So I worked with her and in two weeks, we resolved everything around her father. She was just committed to doing the work. And at the end of two weeks, she sent me a message and said, after six years of study um, and clinical practice, I've never seen anything like what we just did. I can't explain this. And at the, at the start, that scared me. But now it's exciting me to think that I could do something with my own mind for homework 80% of the time without you even being there that would produce a result so quickly. I'm questioning everything I know about the mind and the body and how it communicates. So, um, Man, so that's seen, a powerful impact. Yeah, I've worked with lots of – it's funny. If you knew half the stuff about the psychologists and psychiatrists, I work, they're great people, but just they're having their own challenges. They just don't know how to resolve it. And that's when I realized yeah, I've got to drink from the same – fountain or the kool-aid that i'm giving everybody else and that's what i love about my work i can resolve my own stuff without needing anybody else there and if i can do that and clients can do that we're all drinking from the same fountain and we know it works so that's why that's one thing i wanted to mention but um i like it going back to what you were saying so one of the first things that is really important that my clients learn uh, when they come in and undertake what I, I call it an experience because we're shifting such drastic perceptions at times. Even when people come to me at the higher level of you know you know wanting to make multi millions of dollars for their businesses and things like that, we always start on the foundations because if their foundations aren't solid, all of that can't happen. It's, it's Warren Buffett said um, you'll never have uh, true wealth until you learn how to master your emotions because if you don't master your emotions, your emotions sabotage your wealth and wealth building. So when clients come in, I start off by getting them to understand universal laws, psychology, physiology, the body. And every now and then somebody will say, well, is, you know, like you said, is dermatitis um, connected to the mind and the body and how it feels? I said, we've created all these different fields, psychology, physiology, biology. And as we create each one of them, we think that they're separate, but the universe doesn't see them as separate. They're separate expressions of the same thing. And if we learn to see the world and the universe as that, we realize that there's ecosystems that are running in collaboration with each other, but there are people that want to specialize in certain parts of those ecosystems. So your thoughts or perceptions um, having an impact on your body, when you look at it that way, of course it's going to happen because there's a chain of command that occurs from that. So as we're walking around life, we have perceptions and our perceptions are the way that we see and perceive things. They're not the way that things are in the universe. They're the way that we delete, distort, and generalize information. So if you, myself, are in the same room and let's say a third party as well, um, and something happens in front of us, I can hand each one of us a sheet of paper. If I draw a line right down the center and I say the positive is on one side, negative is on the other, can everybody write down what just happened five minutes ago, what your perceptions around that are? You may hand a sheet of paper to me and it's got five positives and five negatives. So a ratio, which is a comparison, uh, the positive and negative in that, your ratios are a one-to-one. It's a complete alignment. So your central nervous system, meaning the brain, is now going to be seeing that as a one-to-one balance. If your friend or our mutual friend hands back a sheet of paper, it's got six or let's say 12 uh, positives and two negatives. That's a one-to-six ratio. So the expression of what you think you feel, they're going to be feeling inside of them, is going to be around more endorphin-driven um, in or, you know, chemicals that are related to positive and happy thinking. But that's a delusion as well I can go into later. So that's what they're going to be experiencing, what you think you feel. Now, if I hand something back and it's eight negatives to three positives or something like that, you can see that all three of us are going to have a different 
thinking in terms of what we think psychologically and feeling. And each one of those is neither right nor wrong, but they create different symptoms and feedback within the body. The word ratio or rational even, um, rational behavior comes from when our ratio is one-to-one. When it's extreme in the positives, you'll find, and your listeners will know this, if you've ever been highly infatuated with a partner, you let them get away with things, you minimize yourself, later on you end up going, why did I do that? And you realize that you were highly irrational and your friends will be able to say as well because you're exaggerating the positive and you minimize the negatives. People do that in business deals, they lose a lot of money. When they do that with their their body and they infatuate and look at all the pros of a product or things like that, later on they find the drawbacks of it. So this irrational thinking, irrational behavior. Whenever a person exaggerates the negative, both of these activate the amygdala, which is an old um, you know, prehistoric part of the mind. We need that in order to defend ourselves if we're in a fight or something, but we use that for a full-time um, service. <laughs> it's meant to be a short-time experience um, to yeah. strengthen the muscles, um, you know, get us prepared and uh, get our pupils to dilate. It's getting us ready for optimal performance, but you know, for a fight or to avoid a tiger or a lion or something like that. But people are for a having temporary, yeah. yeah, for a temporary spot in time. <laughs> There you go. People are doing it 24 hours a day as a lifestyle. Not meant to do that. It has a massive amount of wear and tear. The body is just the same as a car or anything like that. If you drive it to Sydney and back every day and rarely put the right fuels and things in there, it's going to have a lot of wear and tear compared to a car that's well-serviced, maintained regularly, and just drives up and down the road regularly. Um, it just does a little bit here and there in its longevity. Yeah. So the central nervous system um, is having its original perception, and then that's getting sent through the body, um, neurology, the autonomic nervous system, fight or flight, rest and relaxation, or sympathetic and parasympathetic. And those ratios are then transmitted into fight or flight or rest and relaxation. (laughs) So if I've got an eight to three, it's going to stimulate that. And every single emotion that we experience is a different cocktail. So if you go to a bar for our over 18 listeners, if you go to a bar and you order a drink, a sangria, or I don't drink anymore, so I'm forgetting names, or sex on the beach, or uh, Corona, or something (laughs) like that, um, each one of those tastes different. Well, so does anger, fear, sadness, hurt, um, resentment, low self-worth. They're all different emotional responses. And each one of those feels different. Then out of all of the emotions that feel different within us, each one of those is based on a perception and the ratio of the perception. Now, if the ratio is extremely high, that means that we're going to have extreme symptomology within our body because it's trying to do its number one thing that the body does. It wants to bring us back into homeostasis because anything that goes extreme on either side creates disease, the body's not at ease and disorder. It's actually killing the body. And in order to bring the body back, it's going to do something that we do not like most of the time. Psychologically, it occupies time and space in the mind. That's why your your biggest resentments and your biggest um, infatuations, you can't get them out of your mind. And that's because the mind is trying to let you know, hey, you need to work on this. You're creating internal damage. And the physiology, then the body. So the mind's like a big screen television. You can't switch off. It's playing something you don't want to watch. And then at other times, your body is like a thermostat that's broken and it's either too hot or too cold and you don't like it. So when those go to extremes, your body's trying to communicate to you in extremes. If you have a range of things occupying time and space in your mind, that's what we call uh, emotional baggage, then you've accumulated a lot of those extremes that come into the body. Now, I want to touch on another item as well in that reference. We hit a master all seven areas of life. So therefore, now we add some complexity to it (laughs) because- Anything that you're not mastering, you're attracting challenges in out of the seven areas, physical, financial, mental, spiritual, social, vocation, and family. So we're here to master all seven, but we need to understand how the body communicates. We need to overcome those emotions to transcend to the next level because we can revolve where we just 
revolving around the same thing. There's a, there's a nightclub in Melbourne called Revolver. It doesn't close. <laughs> that can be like our yeah. emotions. Just and pretty <laughs> much we, one. <laughs> yeah, and we can uh, we can end up like the people in there as well. I used to go there in my younger years. We were a lot of, on a lot of drugs because we're pumping a lot of drugs through our body and they're revolving again and again. Most people want to get out of that because we feel that that's when we want to feel a little psycho. We go, this is too much. We want to evolve where we transcend what occurred there, find love and gratitude in it, get the tools to overcome that, and then use that as a stepping stone transition forward. So that's the mind-body connection. And as you can see in that, every part of the body is affected through perception. Um, and those chemical and hormone responses are happening through organs. And diff- like if you think of anxiety, for example, is uh, which is actually two aspects. People know that anxiety is a um, perception that something in the future is going to have more pain than pleasure drawbacks and benefits, disservice and service, the higher the ratio, the more extreme the chemical distribution. But they don't realize it's also the perceived loss of something you're infatuated with because you can be um, anxious that you're going to lose a partner, lose a job, things like that as well. So they go back to these extremes in positives and negatives. And the reason they go back to that is because the amygdala is the animal part of us and the animal it looks to avoid pain and seek pleasure and is activating that instead of the forebrain. And the work that I do, we get clients to activate the forebrain, the more advanced part of the brain, which has ration and reason and meaning. And it's able to see things from a higher perspective. And when you see things from a one-to-one balance, you open the heart, bring balance to the body, bring um, normalize the body. A lot of those symptoms, experiments that we've even seen those dissipate and dissolve um, as people start to work on things. Because as they start to minimize the stress that the body puts on itself and the organs that are actually creating those symptoms inside of them start to go back to normality, they've found that a lot of that um, dissipates and dissolves or just um, has a whole different way in which it's expressed. Yeah, absolutely. And there's a there's a long list of health conditions that uh, can be indirectly associated with just being in the sympathetic nervous system for too many days, years, decades that manifest into all sorts of dysfunction in the body. But I've got a question for you though. Um, what about people that have gone through significant trauma maybe as a child or as a teenager or at some point in their life and they're conditioned for their perceived state of balance and rationality to be not actually that balanced because because when you start introducing people to these new spaces of being uh you know balanced and have these equal perspectives on you know the good and the bad and and those that type of thing they can that can make people feel really unsafe because they're not used to being in a stable safe place and that's not their reference for stable so how, how does it work transitioning someone from their you know previously known safety in you know net let's say across to rationality which would feel exceptionally unsafe to them welcome to my world <laughs> uh, this is what i do day in and day out and um as a d martini facilitator a human behavioral specialist there's a there's a very particular process that we utilize and there's a couple of factors that go into that number one is great rapport i'm building rapport with my clients and i tell them that I'm going to be the most authentic me. Uh, you're not. This isn't going to be a very stale environment where I'm going to sit across a desk per se. I'll do most of my things virtually online now because I'm working as, on a global community. But you're not going to feel me judging you and writing things in a white coat. I'm going to speak to you like a regular person. But I've got the mastery of somebody that's highly evolved in this field. But we're gonna we're gonna have a high level of report um, rapport because by the end of that, I want that person to be able to look at me as a close friend that they can tell anything to but know that I'm a professional that's there to get a result. The perfect synergy of those two is, is a nice mix. 
But mm-hmm. what we do is uh, we start off by actually applying the Martini method and being stringent on the way we apply that process with a high level of rapport and working on that together. And as we do that, I help the person and guide them through that journey. And all it takes is one pop. Like that lady that I worked with, I always worked from the biggest challenges backwards. And she thought the big challenge was going to be massive. But after that first session, it was, it was all over. She would work on anything that I gave her because I'd produced a result in the biggest area that everyone else had tried. Um, I'm working with a client at the moment. She had gone through seven psychiatrists and seven psychologists in seven years. <laughs> she, was, wow. she was changing <laughs> them huge. that quickly. And um, uh, when I worked with her and I, I worked with her partner first, created a result, then she came in and said, okay, three weeks, you were able to do that? That doesn't sound real. But I, I can't fathom it not being real because I'm looking at my partner and she's right in front of me and she's made more change and advancements than I have in seven years. So then I worked with her and she did the same thing. And all it took was one pop in a major area and then we have trust because as they leave that consult, there's usually a week between consults and do homework, she'd say to me what many clients do, I'm trying to go back to that perceived trauma. I'm trying to find the trauma, weird activity to do, come to me to get rid of it after years of not being able to do it with somebody else and do everything you can <laughs> to try and find it. But it's their, it's their way of making sure that it's gone. I get it. And I can't find it at all. I'm experiencing a completely different sensation. I can think about it whenever I want. I'm in control, not the perceived past. They go, this is amazing. The minute I have that, we're, we're working as a team. And there is some, you know, a little bit of fighting at the start because the person doesn't realize that they're fighting for their limitations instead of fighting for their freedom um, at the start. But once they start to get used to the work, then from there, they, they jump on my side. We even joke about it sometimes because I'll say to them, I was asking you what the benefits were and you were telling me there were none and you were fighting for the drawbacks and you were trying everything that you could to hold on to it. And it was like we had two sides of the fence and we were meant to be on the same side, but you were on the other side and then going, I don't get it. Why isn't this working for the first 20 minutes? <laughs> <laughs> it's like like that quote, um, like that, quote that uh, the thing about limitations is you get to keep them. Yeah, yeah. If you fight hard enough for your limitations, you get to keep them. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and then as they start to do the work and they start to, it starts to slowly, cause we slowly chip away at, um, that, you know, because the trauma always has a specific moment or couple of moments where the trauma occurred. And as we break that down and actually just like that lady, I said, find the love and gratitude in it. And once we reach, and there's stages as well, cause the first stage is very much the amygdala. It's very black and white and the body doesn't work in black and white. It works in um, a set of polarities that are synthesized and balanced. That's the way the body works. That's why if you go black and white and fundamental in your thinking, you have fundamental diseases. And the more fundamental you are, the more you're highly activating specific parts of others. And that's when you have extreme disorders within the body. But, um, but yeah, so that's the only way I found to be able to bring balance to the mind and the body. And in order to do that, it just takes, you know, di- different clients are different. Some people get into it straight away and they commit and they're ready to go. Other people um, take a little while longer. That's not right or wrong. It's not good or bad. It's the understanding that every person's on their own unique and different journey. And my job as a facilitator over the last 11 years has been to understand that journey and then build rapport with the people that I'm working with and then help them transition through the different parts that they're there to transition through. That's amazing. And um, yeah, I think you're a really, you're very much a breath of fresh air in this uh, mental health space uh, in the world, especially after 2020. So many people are aware of their mental health if, if they weren't before. You know, so many people sitting at home and obviously the suicide rate went up significantly here in Melbourne and, and a lot of psychologists that I know that I've got friends 
you know, friends and clients and, you know, they're booked out for almost years in advance after 2020. So I think your your approach is really, really refreshing and it's, you know, nice to be in a space where someone can offer a result. Um, and, I mean, I'm sure lots of people listening have loved what you've talked about and I know that there's so much more that you can share. So can you let everybody know where they can find you online? Yes. So you can always reach out through www.emmanuelanthony.com.au. Uh, I believe we may have some show notes here, but um, when we yes. share these on our socials as well, um, you'll find a link for a complimentary 20-minute consultation call. We call it a discovery call. And the way I usually put this is everything starts with a conversation. I don't know where you are now. I don't want to take a guess of where you are now. So if we sit down for 20 minutes, no matter where you are around the world, you can at least leave that call and say, okay, I know what occurred, what specifically needs to be done to get to the point where I'll have a result for this and what the time frame for that would be as well. So you're more than welcome to reach out for that as well. I'm going to say hi to Maddie or myself as well uh, via any of our social media links and let us know that you want to touch a base. Uh, they'll all be in the show notes as well. Absolutely. I'll put all of Emmanuel's handles and links and whatnot in the show notes below. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please take a screenshot, share it on social media and tag us both. We love to see who's listening in. Uh, and before we finish, Emmanuel, what I know there's so much information in your head, but what is one piece of health information, if people were to take just one away, that you wish more people knew about? Well, one. Okay, so I would say... Uh, <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> start, yeah, I would say start with where you are and let what you know grow. Um, so start with what you know and let what you know grow. That's the first thing. I, I work with the mind because I found that the when you work with the mind no matter what you do after, like if you've ever seen somebody drop 30 kilos of weight or things like that, their mind drastically changes. Um, you can't have a person that stays the same. There's a whole different person that comes out. So I do that with the mind, but you know, you may do that through yoga. You may do that through exercising first and then discover other areas of mastery within your life. But wherever you are, start from there, gain mastery in that, start to create the results that you want in your life by creating healthy habits and things that assist you. And then once you transition from there, then really work towards the mind. At some stage, get to that because that is one of the greatest foundations. And if you can get that locked in and locked on, any goal you set in all areas of life, you'll have the tools to be able to make sure that you take on whatever it is that's occurring around that. Um, so that's that would be my one piece of advice. Awesome. Well, I'm really grateful for your time. Thanks for being on the show, man. No, I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me and uh, nothing but love for everybody listening. And I hope that you got a lot of value out of our conversation. Wonderful. Well, we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use. And we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.